1: and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Every week, I always say I have a very special guest, and this week is no different. I want to thank Amanda Elise Love, who is a Registered Holistic Nutritionist, for joining me today. She teaches women how to cook simple, but delicious, allergy-friendly, healthy meals, and to integrate a holistic approach through mind, body, and spirit. Amanda has a long history of illness, which culminated in the diagnosis of fibromyalgia at the age of 20. This caused debilitating pain and other aspects of her life, and because of all this, she made it her life mission to teach others how to cook allergy-friendly meals and live a holistic life. She holds a diploma as a registered holistic nutritionist and certifications in gut health, culinary, nutrition, and more. Amanda is also the host of Physical Emotional Health Secrets, and she's been a guest feature over 70 podcasts. She's had 130 episodes herself and has also been on TV shows such as BizTV. And she speaks at various summits and parts of panels across the country. Finally, she's the co-author of a book, Trauma to Triumph, So thank you so much, Amanda, for joining me today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: So when people hear the word holistic, will you explain what that actually means, if you don't mind?
0: Yeah, I holistic means, I tell people it's mind, body, and spirit. So what is your mindset like? Um, What are you eating? What are your relationships like? Do you believe in God? I'm a very strong Christian. So your spirituality, but like, have you dealt with like the trauma issues too? Cause I think it's just all interconnected. Your sleep, everything is all connected. And we only focus usually on, oh, we think it's the food, but it's not always the food. It's also your sleep and your relationships the toxic people in your life, your home environment. So it's not just the food or it's not just exercise. It's all of it.
1: And I couldn't agree more when I talk to my patients and families in the office, you know, and, and one of the big questions, and I talk a lot about this on my podcasts are, you know, what can we do to help with various uh, disorders without using medication? And I will always say, well, it really comes down to some simple things, but we know they're not so simple. And that includes your diet, your activity, but also your emotional and mental health and your sleep and your environment. It reminds me of the Blue Zones. Have you ever heard of the Blue Zones? Um, Yeah, a little bit. Well, I won't go into that, but basically just for the audience, there are these zones across the world, not just in the United States, where people live a very long life. And so they've studied these zones to figure out what is it about their lifestyle and environment that really helps them live a healthy life. So share a little bit about your story and how you got here. Uh, My
0: stories, um, it's a lot. Uh, So I was actually just really sick growing up. Like you had talked about where like, they were just like, Oh, put her on the medications. She looks healthy. She looks normal. I was never overweight, but I was always sick. Like every single 10 days. And like, I would be sick for 10 days at a time. And they didn't know what was going on. And my parents divorced when I was six. Dad remarried when I was eight years old. So I can now look back and be like, why didn't anyone talk about like trauma stuff that was going on back then and stuff like that? There wasn't any physical, but there was emotional stuff going on and lectures three hours at a time. And so I didn't know how to handle my emotions. And I was the oldest. My sister I have one sister. And my stepmom had two kids and my dad Actually, was dating her while she was pregnant with her second going through a divorce. So I didn't, I could look back and be like, okay, as a seven, eight-year-old, that's a lot for someone to be able to be like, okay, my dad's not there for me as much as for those two other kids, right? And that was something I think we, don't think about is childhood traumas. I feel like, um, and growing up when I was, when we actually decided to leave California, we moved to Arizona and it was a month before my 14th birthday. And I was getting less sick every four or six weeks, but I was still sick. And I completed high school somehow because I did struggle with school. So I had learning difficulties. And when I was, I did a personal training program out of the high school, completed it, 19 years old, um, turned 20, two weeks later, and all of a sudden I just couldn't get out of bed. Mm-hmm. I was in so much pain. I was so fatigued. I was so exhausted. Um, I stopped going to the gym, which was always something I loved doing, just because it just wiped me out. And 10 months later, this was in October 2010, so this is coming up on 12 years, they diagnosed me with fibromyalgia, and it was, I was only 20 years old at the time.
1: Mm-hmm. And so then from there, in your bio, it says that this led you to this mission to really focus on that, this holistic life to feel better and then of course writing being co-author of a book the trauma over triumph where did you go from here in regards to and what was your experience around changing your nutrition to help yourself to or not even help yourself but just to feel better in general
0: um so i actually grew up i always loved nutrition um Because I watched the show, The Biggest Loser. It started around my 14th birthday. So I think looking back, that was sort of why I started into the health space. Um, And I did it in high school too. I took, we had to take a nutrition course and like I took weights and I am not very tall and I am not a sports person. I can't play sports, but I wanted to do weight training in high school. So that's what I did. But I think when I was realizing, okay, nutrition plays a part. And I was after, I did the personal training program and I wanted to go into nutrition. And I actually, when I was 20, they were just, would tell me, okay, do the medications, do the physical therapy, do acupuncture, do pain management. And it was just like, I wasn't getting answers, and eventually my grandmother found a newspaper clipping, said wellness talk bio wellness chiropractor 10 minutes away, Gilbert, Arizona, and he told her, he's like, if your granddaughter's only 20 and she has fibromyalgia, she's been very sick for a very long time. That's a light bulb moment for my grandmother. She told me that, and I worked with him for eight months. Did saliva testing, stool testing. I found out at two genes that predisposed me to a gluten sensitivity, highest in his practice at the time, a soy sensitivity, egg sensitivity, and dairy sensitivity. And this was 11 years ago. I was 21 years old at the time.
1: And that's amazing that, you know, right now there's more resources, I feel, having been in practice for so long, around that functional medicine and gut health. But 12 years ago, there really wasn't. So
0: yeah, and I did all of it. Like I did all the different doctors, I did the allergy testing, I, and I always, and it's actually really a God thing for it just to be only 10 minutes away
1: and all of that because, and he worked
0: with people with fibromyalgia and stuff like that. And
1: yeah. And, and I always and I love that your grandma found a newspaper clipping and that just yeah. started, you know, everything just lined up the way that it should yeah. be. You're in the right place at the right time with the right person.
0: Yeah, I, I truly believe that.
1: So what you you teach now um, about cooking healthy, but yet delicious that are, you know, allergy friendly Talk a little bit, if you don't mind, about how and what you instruct people who may be in a similar situation, especially in my practice, you know, of being with children.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing with children is have them start doing it with you, I think is the big thing. Um, I tell people... If you're starting with meal prepping right away, please don't start with every single meal. If you're just going straight to it for the first time, don't do that. Build it up over several months. I feel like that's the thing, too, because a lot of times we think, oh, I got to change my what I'm eating. But then we also think we need to change what we're what exercise at the same time, then we're like, well, I need to work on my sleep. And then you're like, well, I need to work on my relationships also. So then you add, 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 and you're starting all these new things. And it's like, that gets overwhelming. So what area in your life do you need to work on first? And I think that's the thing too. One year it's different Like one year was grief for me because I lost a grandmother, that grandmother um, back in 2020. Um, Last year was just moving to Austin by myself. So it was like a home environment, switching it up. And then this year was trauma. And so if I have to tell you with the meal prepping is, okay, let's start with the meal that is the most difficult for you to eat healthy. I like that. And I would say for 95% of us, it is dinner time.
1: I was going to say dinner. I would definitely attest to that for me as well.
0: Yeah, because dinner time, it's five o'clock, six o'clock, and your kid's asking, okay, what's for dinner? Okay. If you prepare that meal ahead of time, you have it already and stuff. So I think the thing is, Look at your schedule. Take a day every week. Look at your schedule and be like, okay, I have Sarah's soccer practice on Tuesdays. Okay, that's the night that I need to have a meal ready ahead of time. Or I have this Bible study on Thursday nights. And like, just make, pick a night to look at your schedule. Pick, like, say, Thursday night. Look at your schedule for next week, okay? Do you have time to pick out some recipes that you're going to try? And I don't want you to try 50 different recipes or 10 (laughs) new recipes. I want you to pick just two recipes okay? and do that for the next couple weeks until you get in a rhythm. And then maybe you could start adding two more recipes, right? Um, I think that's the thing, too as we pick recipes that are like, take forever, they don't need to take forever. Right. Um, And I think the big thing when you're deciding is like, okay, this time I'm going to pick my meals and I'm going to pick my recipes. And maybe you can actually order the groceries that night. So then you don't even have to go out and do it. Right. So, right. And then you're not impulse shopping because you can't you're not going through the shop, the grocery store because you, and then you're like, oh yeah, I'm hungry. So I see cookies. I want the right. cookies and the ice cream. But if you're like online, you sort of are like, well, I don't really see it. Cause I'm looking just at the fruits, the vegetables, the meat, right. Protein. Yes. Uh, I think, and then figure out maybe two days a week that you could do it of some meal prepping, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing too. I think we always think we need a meal prep for the whole week. And it's like, no, you only need a meal prep for those days that are the busiest and then work that around and stuff like that. Um, it's great to meal prep for the whole week, but it's a, it takes a lot of time. So spread it out through the week and stuff like that especially in the beginning it's not you're only going to be doing two new meals a week so that shouldn't take you very long to do and stuff like that and I tell people one of the things is you could cut up like as soon as you get your groceries cut everything up so then all you have to do it's real easy just throw it on a sheet pan with some seasoning and you're all ready to go um or you have those fruits, you have those vegetables all cut up. So when it you're hungry, you don't you're not going for the ice cream. You see right in your fridge, oh, I have strawberries cut up. Oh, I should eat them before they get bad. Yes, or yes. I should eat the celery or I should eat the carrots before they go bad because I don't want to waste money because groceries are getting crazy expensive right now.
1: Of course. And stuff. <clears throat> And I tell parents the same thing. I And I try to say, you know, when you when you do cut up the fruits and the vegetables, I had a mom just this week told me that she puts them in clear containers. That's what I do. Yeah. And depending on what it is, you know, she might have a little water underneath there or, or whatever, you know, depending on like if yeah. it's um, like carrots and celery, for example, but she she does the strawberries so then even her kids when they want to grab something because and eat they go they can see visibly okay this is these are the foods that are already ready cut up clean and they and she says her kids just go in there and you know get what they want and then and they tend to eat that versus grabbing the things that aren't really going to serve them as well in regards to their energy and their growth and development yeah. and so on. And so very much in line with what I like to teach. But I love your approach because you have a very realistic approach. And what yeah. I mean by that is many times I I try really hard to empathize and really know the story of the family, what they're... Yeah what is their life like what is their environment like because yeah. as educators you and I we could sit there and tell them you need to do this 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 but yeah. if they don't have the ability if it's not realistic if it's not something they can incorporate in their life then they're not it, it's unfortunately they're going to feel either bad or or definitely not comply and I'm one of those people that I really try hard to plan and meal prep. So I've learned something, and that is, you know, give yourself some grace and just let's just try to plan two meals instead yeah. of no meals, you know, because it sounds seems so for me it seems so overwhelming, and so then I'm next thing I know I'm not planning any meal, and right. and so I think it's way better. And it is. It might take a few minutes to cut all that stuff up. But it, for me, it's very satisfying. It, and it looks so pretty. All of a sudden, I'm looking at all the different colors of the rainbow in these really healthy foods. And then to see your kids actually go and eat those things, it's very rewarding.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the thing, too. And, and little kids start early with With being like, oh, can I have avocado or whatever? That's what my sister has done with her. She has a six-month-old and a three-year-old. And, like, she calls the milkshake, but it's actually a smoothie. But the little girl when I was visiting, she's like, oh, I want a milkshake. But my sister's like, oh, it's just a smoothie. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just, like, chocolate powder, almond milk and stuff like that, banana or whatever. I don't remember what was in it. But, like... Your kids are going to crave those healthy foods if you start them early, I and you don't have the other things in the house.
1: Yes, I agree. And one thing too is, in I, I've taught classes to other pediatricians and healthcare workers that in those first one thousand year uh, years, <laughs> one thousand days of yeah. from a baby, you know, from zero to one thousand days, which is about two years that yeah. is when all the brain synapses are like connecting and they're putting it together. Are Will you still maybe have a child who is a little bit picky if you do everything perfect? Of course, because perfection is, you know, I always say it's, it's non-existent, but right. you, you just try. And kids are born with that ability to know what's sweet and that vegetables are bitter, you know? And so if they learn a way to eat those things and just get that variety early on. They're they're more than likely going to continue as they get older and also make better choices when they're not at home, which is good too.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you're teaching your kids to nourish their bodies early on and then they won't reach for that sugary soda or the sugary cupcakes. But it's not like we all don't have those things once in a while, but it's not something we should be having every single day.
1: Absolutely. When you started to change your diet, how long would you say it took you to really start to feel better? Because in this life that we all live where everything's quick, you know, we want quick results and uh, quick, you know, I want to feel better and I've tried this for so long, you know, a week or two days and I don't feel any better. So yeah. help everybody understand that patience is also very important when it comes to this process.
0: I feel like that's the important thing too. Like I tell people, okay, in my, I don't even know how long it took. I think like a, several months, but I was still struggling with my health for Years, I feel like, because I it's I had other things to work on, right? And I think that's the thing I got out of the pain, and I haven't been in pain in probably seven, eight years, whatever. That's wonderful. But like, I was still there's always something that comes up, and then you're like, okay, my health needs to be worked on a little more. And just this year, I was like, from October to March, I was just like, okay. I'm doing all the right things, but I'm still getting sick. Mm-hmm. And it was like, huh. And I was having sinus infections and an ear infection, which I hadn't had a ear infection in like seven or eight years. And like I was like, okay, this is frustrating. But then when I finally faced, okay, I gotta work on the trauma issues. And I think that was something That really, really was the big thing where I did something with my church and it was a trauma. It was letting go of memories that I had had. And they would ask like, what is this memory? Can you forgive those people who are in those memories? And can you speak a blessing into those people? And I did it in April. And I didn't get sick for like four months. I also did it in June. And I just did it recently again, like two weeks ago, because I just felt like I needed to. But it was more of just the last one was more of just seeing like where I had come. But I did get sick in July. And the one of the one of, I think the big reason why I got sick was in July was I had to let go. Even though it was perfect, like I need to let go, but I had a friend that I had had for 10 months, first friend here in Austin, I've been here for 13 months. And he was toxic by saying negative things about me that he shouldn't have. And I also was dating someone really quick, 11 days, but that was a lot for my little body to handle. So I got sick. But I mean, that's the thing. We need to get we need to work on the trauma so we could get better.
1: and that's where the the thought process about my the mind-body connection because yeah. i I often show parents and kids the cognitive behavior model where yeah. our thoughts about circumstances, which are neutral, lead to our feelings, our feelings lead to actions and all of that affects our body. And I think a lot of times, or, and more than just our body, it affects our sleep, our appetite, it affects our hormones. Everything is delicately interconnected and we can celebrate that, but at the same time, we have to be aware when you know even i'll have days where i'm like gosh i just feel kind of blue it's like why do i feel so blah or like yeah. you said why am i getting sick so often and it's becoming aware of your environment and also your thought process around what the circumstances are in your life and that's yeah. very important and that affects our gut there's it's so interrelated and Many times it's hard as a, as a pediatrician, my job is also to make sure there isn't a medical reason. Right. But once we've kind of gotten through that, which doesn't always mean that we have to do blood tests or trial of medication. Sometimes it's just taking a good history and doing a physical and understanding what, again, like I said, is the story what's going on at home what's going on with the child. And I asked about like, how long did it take? And you're right. It's an ongoing process, but until each of these things are addressed, you just have to be patient as you work through them.
0: Yeah. I think that's the thing too. It's like patience. Yeah. I, I think I got improvements. I did get improvements. Like within a couple of months but then it's also a work in progress of like life is always changing and stuff like that and that's the thing too where it's like okay I got a different life than I had 14 months ago I'm in a different state mm-hmm. I don't have family here I don't have I didn't have any friends here so it was all like for me it was all starting over and stuff like that it was very hard for me this year and I was very sad of about a lot of things because I just didn't know why I was here. And I think that's the thing too is when you're in a certain stage of life and then you're like starting over, it's realizing you're going to probably track people that you probably don't need in your life and then you need the once you get the help you need, then you sort of repel those people and stuff like that too.
1: Mhm. Absolutely. And I think one thing that comes to mind for me, and I say this a lot, and that is change, even when it's good, is can be very stressful. Yes, yes. I mean, you know, we think about, oh, we're moving into a new home, but moving is, you know, when we talk about these stress scales yeah. in psychology, moving is one of the top three, basically. And so we, yes, it's a good thing, but we also have to realize it, it's still Is very stressful. Your book, "The Trauma Over Triumph." Tell me a little bit about the triumph that you feel you have overcome.
0: Um. Yeah. So I feel like the triumph I've overcome is like just everything having to do with my fibromyalgia and realizing that doesn't define me. I think that's the thing too. Um. I went through so many years of just pain, fatigue, sickness. And even before I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia, it's not, that doesn't define me. Like, and I've overcome that. And like, I'm still always worrying on stuff like that. And just everything I've done this year of working through the trauma, letting go of a bunch of guy friendships that weren't good for me, and I think that's the thing where I'm always continuing to work on myself. And that's the biggest thing I tell people is you always have to continue to work on yourself. And one year it might be grief. But like I tell people 2020, I lost my grandmother mm-hmm. and I lost my dog within 12 days of each other. Oh. So my dog I had had for like 12 years from 16 all the way up to like 30 years old. And so that was a big thing. And it was because all of a sudden he started to get sick, like not right. And it took him to the vet and they were like, oh, he has cancer. The grandmother was in and out of the hospital at that time. And so she came home and on hospice. So that was a lot. So within When I knew she was going to pass, I went on my church's website, signed up for the grief class, missed maybe the first week, did it for like three months. And I actually tell people it was on Zoom. It was two hours a week, but it was a commitment. And so that was a big thing I feel like was good for my healing journey was to do that grief group, get around people who actually are going through grief. Because then the following year, which was just last year, um, they were like, oh, do you want to do it? And I was like, no, I don't need to do it. And that was the thing too. And then this year, I mean, not this year, last year, it was all about moving to Texas, getting away from family and starting over. This year... It was going through the trauma stuff. And I could tell people this. I did the trauma thing in April just because in March there was a guy and it was just like, why why do I feel like I'm putting this person in a place he shouldn't be as a friend? Why? And then I realized, oh, I have some childhood trauma I need to deal with. So... Mm -hmm. I actually was like, okay, I'll do a healing thing from in April. And that was more to forgive like family that it hurt me. And then in June, I was like, I got to do it again because I'm going to, I need to forgive that guy for saying not some very nice things about me. And I tell people this a week later, exactly a week later, I met a guy through like a networking thing and, and it was interesting because I wouldn't have been in a healthy space if I hadn't done that to meet this guy. And it was great, but I wouldn't have realized there was some red flags. And so, but it showed me, okay, I could be in a healthy place and stuff like that. And then Reese, and then recently I was I met someone and I've been dating him for like a little while now, like 12 days or something. And it's like, okay, this is healthy. This is a healthy relationship. This, mm-hmm. And it's really serious right now. And it's crazy because we just met almost two weeks ago and stuff like that. But it's instant. And I wouldn't have been in a healthy place to do that if I hadn't gone through... all the stuff I've gone through this year to heal from all the different guys and all the different family members.
1: Because forgiveness, I like to teach people, is even if someone doesn't deserve it, I mean, I hate to say it like that, but forgiveness is really for ourselves. When we forgive others, it's not for them. It's really for us. Because, yeah. and and being able to, like you said in the beginning of the podcast, to let go. And so I, am, what I hear you saying is that going through those other two relationships recently, and learning about yourself, and being able to let go and forgive, has allowed you to be in a better place. Now that you have met somebody who you feel is nourishing you. And I love to use the word nourish because we, do, everything we do either causes disease or it heals it. And whether it's mentally or physically, et cetera. And so being in a, a good environment, being in a good relationship, eating foods that nourish you and make you feel good, etc. it's, it's all about healing and it's, but our experiences help us get to that point.
0: I I agree and I think that's the thing is I love how it's nourishing you told me nourishing because I think that's the thing too is looking at your relationships and being like oh is this nourishing me or is it bringing it down and like when I had the friend I had let him go it was not nourishing me and I was actually had gone through the healing stuff where it was like I had realized okay this is a Good person to have, and I think that was the thing. And the person I was dating, he was so positive and stuff, and it made me realize, okay, I'd rather have more people like him Mm -hmm. than people who are not. And no, he wasn't the right person for me to be dating, but he did have a positive outlook on stuff, even though he had less stuff. Well, my friend had like a house, he had a car, he but he was always worried about everything in life and you can't have people like that. And that's the thing and stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Amanda, so much for sharing your stories, sharing about how as a child you had, you know, you were sick a lot and then the pain that you went through and your diagnosis and, and the, the changes that, you're going through as well as and you're right everyone is constantly changing and growing and right. and i'm you know i'm much older than you but i'm still getting better in in managing my emotions and and so on and so it is it's always work in progress like you said but and i love the title of your book you know trauma to triumph because that is The mission of even my podcast in general, just to help families realize that, you know, you, you can be better. It takes small steps. It takes patience and it's finding things in your environment from food all the way to your spirituality that nourishes you.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's your food. It's your lifestyle. It's everything. And that's and that. you can't neglect one thing. You have to work on all of them and stuff like that. But if you're, everything is out of whack, then just start with the biggest thing because it will trickle down into the other things and then eventually you could work on the other things, right?
1: Yes. I tell people a lot, look, sometimes we get so used to not feeling very well that we don't yeah. realize how good we can feel. But, yeah. it, but that again takes time. And I love your approach that it's like, let's, what's the big thing? And let's work on that. And then the others will eventually come because you'll start to feel better and more motivated and excited to continue to work on the little things. How can people get a hold of you if they would like to reach out or learn more about your, um, your nutrition and your holistic approach and your book, etc.
0: Um, yeah, so Amanda Lees Love at gmail.com is a great way to reach out. And my Facebook is Amanda Lees Love, and my Facebook group is Physical and Emotional Health Secrets, and that's the name of the podcast.
1: Excellent. I really enjoyed Spending time with you. Thank you so much for again sharing your story and your triumph. And I want to remind everybody you can listen to Amanda's podcast as well as Dr. Sarah's podcast, wherever you listen to your shows. And remember, let's grow up together, but be patient and kind and surround yourself with all that is nourishing. Recording stopped. Awesome. Thank wow. You. No, I thank you so much for sharing your story. It's a lot, yeah. you know. I mean, I know sometimes yeah. when I do that I it's exhausting. I didn't even
0: go, No, it was good. I didn't even go deep into it. I felt I, like it was a live okay. version today, I feel like.
1: It's okay because I I love that you started when you were young because Yeah. I get so many kids that are sick and Parents just want a diagnosis or an answer. And although I'm not a holistic or functional medicine physician, I practice, I'm a less is more. So, yes, I'm a medical doctor, but I really try my hardest to get to the, you know, what is the root root cause? cause. Yep. And it's not always easy and I'm always behind,
0: (laughs) you know. Yeah, I know. Aren't we always? There's always so
1: much to learn, I
0: feel like. Oh,
1: yeah. and I love the idea that, look, it's this, this is constant. This doesn't really end, but you know, we, cause we've always got something to work on. So.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. We're always working on something. <laughs> I know it's okay. it's okay. And it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm always working on something. It's interesting.
1: Yes. Well, thank you again. And I, so I will, email you and let you know when this is going to be yeah, posted. After... It's probably I'm trying to see a calendar. Um, I'm going to be out of town. So I'm, kind, I'm sort of doing several in a row. So I'm thinking um, I'm thinking it'll either go out like the 19th or the 26th. So before the end of the month, and I will, I will absolutely let you know. And, and okay, see. sounds good. All right, thank you so much. I'm going to let you get on with your day because I know we've all got crazy stuff. And uh, yeah, uh,
0: this this <laughs> weekend is crazy. Yes,
1: and uh, uh, re- yeah, reach out if if you have any questions. And um, yeah, it was nice meeting you. Nice to meet you. Thank you. Thank you.